guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Pie Pumpkin. Uh, this week, we're going to skip some Vanderpump Rules talk, and it's a sponsored episode. Uh, what are sponsored episodes? Sponsored episodes are when someone who listens to this podcast pays me 20 bucks to talk about something they want to hear about. Um, there are very few things that I've turned down. Like, I literally did a Rachel Dolezal episode. I literally did an episode on that uh black white show and I made Kara do it with me um but you know um if you want to sponsor an episode or commission an episode send me an email at princess mm, not there at <laughs> and um by pumpkin podcast at gmail.com or you can message me on patreon and pitch me something tell me what you want to talk about what you want to hear me talk about and as we've seen from the past, there are very few things I had turned down. But this week is actually a pretty enjoyable one. Uh, Megan asked me to talk about This Is Us. I, like, okay, so here's the deal. I really like This Is Us. It's it's a schmaltzy show, okay? All right? Um, there are a lot of speeches in this show. A lot of people being like, I'm just giving you the best I have. And lemons and a lemonade, a lot of that, okay? A lot of what I call Shonda Rhyme speeches, okay? It looks like, you're my person. Don't be a bitch baby. Like, you know, a lot of that. Um, they don't say bitch baby on this, but a lot of that. And uh, so it can be cringe sometimes. There's a lot of shit on the show that, is, that I'm like, oh my God, where's the remote? I got to fast forward through this. I'm going to die if I have to watch this. But... um. It's an enjoyable show for me. Um, it's one of my favorite crying shows. Like, I want to tell you guys why I like it first, because I'm about to, like, drag these motherfuckers. <laughs> so, but it's one of my favorite crying shows, especially during, like, the first part of the pandemic, which was really fucking tough for me, because if you guys remember, I just had a lot of shit going on. I mean, everybody had a lot of shit going on, but I had a lot of stuff going on, and... One of the things I absolutely need for my mental health is some fucking alone time. And the pandemic didn't fuck me over uh, financially. I actually made money off the pandemic because I didn't have to pay for childcare anymore. And it's a huge thing line on my budget. So, and I was already working from home. And like, like a lot of stuff was, I, I just did a bunch of projects around the house. The problem was I got 0.0.0.0 alone time. And it was like fucking up my mental health. I don't understand you fucking extroverts out here. Like, grow up. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever said. <laughs> but I'm just like, I do not understand people who who thrive when everybody in the world is like around them and touching them and talking to them and like that shit drains the fuck out of me. And I know that like when I tell people I'm an introvert, they're like, mm, you don't seem like one. Yeah. Cause I'm not shy. Like I'm not shy and I can easily talk to people, but that's not the same as like, it's not the same as not being bone fucking tired from interacting with people all the time. And you know, I have a big family and you know, everybody, um, everybody's favorite. 
everybody in this fucking house is obsessed with me down to the fucking dogs. And, and like during the beginning of the pandemic, like there's a lot of stuff that I just didn't know what was going to happen. And everyone was looking to me for answers and I got zero alone time. I wasn't getting very much sleep. It just was a lot. And I spent a lot of time crying. And this is, this is one of my favorite cry shows. Okay. So what's a cry show? A, sh- a, sh- a cry show is a show that you can put on, um, you know, after you've wound down for the night and, you know, have, a, have your favorite beverage, have a seat and have a reason to cry about it. Something <laughs> and you can pretend like you can pretend like you're crying about Randall's relationship with his mother. When in reality, you just need to fucking cry and you like, get that shit out. It's a release. And, uh, I also like a million little things. I don't really like, the truth is I like This Is Us, the show. Um, and then it's also a good show to cry to. I like a million little things much, much less, but it's also a good show to cry, cry to if you feel like it. Um, I think one of the reasons I don't like a million little things is because I don't like seeing Sean from Psych without... Gus, right? It just feels weird. Like he's walking around with these with this other black guy. Like that's weird. And so, I mean, that's not Gus, Sean. What are you doing? And and so I don't like that at all. That guy can't like be on any more TV shows. He lives in the world of psych, and that's where he needs to be. Like, if I see you next to a blonde lady, it better damn well be Juliet. All right. And if it's not Juliet, I don't know what the fuck we're doing here. Okay. So yeah, like, um, what was I talking about? Oh, it's a, this is this is a great cry show, right? It's a great schmaltzy cry show. Um, another reason I like it is because I, I like the concept. I think the concept's pretty good. Uh, the it comes it comes from the same guy who made I believe this show the movie's called Crazy Little Thing Called Love it has Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell and Julianne Moore and Emma Roberts in it. Not Emma Roberts, Emma. The other Emma, redheaded Emma. Oh, well, Emma Roberts, is she kind of redheaded? No, maybe, I don't think so. You know what, let me look this shit up because I, I don't need a bunch of messages from you guys telling me who, which Emma I'm talking about. Emma, redhead, you know, Stone, Emma Stone. Why don't I just look up crazy little thing called, okay. No, that's a song. There you go, movie. Okay, what, I don't, what the fuck? Okay, well, it's obvious why it didn't work because it's just not called Crazy Little Thing Called Love. It's called Crazy Stupid Love. But the movie is shot in such a way that the twist is that uh, what you don't know is that the storylines are going in parallel because this Emma, Emma Stone is Julianne Moore and Steve Carell's daughter, right? And so, like, that was interesting. I mean, they didn't get me because I was like, there's too many redheads in this movie. Like, are these people related? So, like, you know, I personally was like, okay, there's a lot of redheads sitting here. Kind of like The Office in, like, the last couple of seasons where they had, like, six redheads in The Office. And, like, guys, you don't notice that, like, all y'all have, like, different varying colors of red hair. And that's, like, statistically, like, unlikely. Like, do you know... Mm, nobody's wondering what's going on here. Anyway, back to it. So 
I enjoyed the concept of it that we're going to watch this show. Did I tell you what the show is? You guys know what the show is, right? Okay, This Is Us is about the Pearson family. Um, and we have the moms, Rebecca and Jack. Their kids are Kevin, Kate, and Randall. They are not triplets, but they were born on the same day and one of them's black. And then it's also like, it's them in various timelines, okay? So it's, we're watching storylines that happened when they were kids, before they had, uh, before the, those kids existed, when they're teenagers, and also as adults. And then later as the series goes on into the future. And so that was really interesting to me. I like that story. I like that we're using a different storytelling technique. And so when I first, like, I think I remember when the pilot came on, I first started watching. I was like, oh, this is interesting. At the end of the first episode, you realize that, like, I don't know. They, they just do some shots where they show you that the hospital scene is happening, like, in the... Like, people are smoking in the hospital and, like, they show the cars and stuff. And they're like, oh, this shit happened a long time ago. You can't smoke in a motherfucking hospital. And and I was like, oh, that's good. I, I enjoy this. So that's awesome. I really think the acting on the show is really good. I think Mandy Moore does a bang-up motherfucking job. And we need to give Mandy Moore her fucking flowers. Because Mandy Moore plays teenage Mandy Moore. She plays young, early 20s, early mother uh, Mandy Moore. Then she plays... Um, with the use of like makeup and prosthetics, she didn't plays like Mandy Moore. She plays, well, she's not playing Mandy Moore, Rebecca. She's playing Rebecca in her forties. She's playing Rebecca, uh, as a woman in her sixties. She ends up playing Rebecca all the way till her eighties when she fucking dies. And Mandy Moore's really fucking good. Uh, she, I, you know what I think she does her best at is I think she does her best at, um, being somebody's old mom. Like, so when she's in, like, her 60s and she's like, hold on, let me write down so-and-so. She's really good at it. Like, like her her physical movements and stuff. Like, she really makes me believe that. Um, I think uh, Sterling K... I know this man's name. Sterling K... Well, it would help if I spelled it correctly. Sterling K. Brown. I love Sterling K. Brown, okay? I really think he's excellent at, at acting. I think he does the one-tier thing so fucking good. You know, Denzel did that shit in glory. <laughs> um, if you are not made to watch glory in school uh, at least once a year for, during Black History Month... Tell me how old you are so I know when they stop doing that and where you're from so I know the, the region. But like that one tier that that uh, Denzel does when, when they're beating him and shit. Sterling K. Brown. Denzel walks so Sterling K. Brown can run. And I've always like... I've, <laughs> guys, do you guys remember the show called Army Wise? <laughs> it used to be on Lifetime. It is... The this group of p women married to the arm to men in the army, uh, of various rank that become friends on the base, and and Sterling K. Brown is the black man that's also friends with them because he's married to a woman in the army, and he's like a psychologist or therapist. I think it's a psych. It's not a psychiatrist. Like, why am I splitting hairs? Here? I think it's a psychologist that works like with the military too, and so like. 
I don't know. I really love that show. Me and my dad used to watch it. Like I used to come home sometimes and my dad would be like soaking his feet in a bathroom watching Army Wives or America's Next Top Model. And so like, we'd sit down and watch it together. But it's like, it was on Lifetime. So I'll just tell you that right there. I'll tell you, that tells you what the storylines are like. That tells you what the acting was like. That tells you what the whole bit was like. <laughs> like at one point there was a bomb on the base. And like, People are always cheating on each other. Like, oh wow, everyone had PTSD. <laughs> it's so, that's not fucking funny, but it is fucking funny. I'm sorry. I, like, I know that someone's gonna send me an email being like, you need to be more respectful. No, the fuck, I don't. I own a long line of people in the military. I grew up on lots of bases. If nobody gets a joke about this, I get to fucking joke about this. But anyway, the show was really good and it just really filled like a spot for me. There's a lot of crying on that show too. But um, I, I've loved Sterling K. Brown since back then, but he's really good at what he does and he's good at playing Randall. And there's a lot of like, did he win any Emmys? I'm not sure. I don't really pay attention to awards like that, but it, it, he should have won some fucking Emmys because Randall, he does a great job at being Randall. Um... What else do I like about the show? I think that... So, a big complaint with this show is that all the characters are incredibly flawed except for Jack and Rebecca. Um, the, the adult kids are really flawed. I mean, Randall the least amount because Randall gets the Obama edit. <laughs> so, what I call that is a regal black man just trying to do it, just, just trying to get through the day. Like, but that Kevin and... And Kate are really flawed. And Randall is flawed to a certain bit as well. And the thing is, I actually like flawed characters. I do not believe in wholly good characters. I do not believe people as a whole are can be completely good. I don't think that's possible. I think that we're all like teeming with fucking flaws. And how we handle those flaws in ourselves and others defines who we are. And so... When I'm watching this show and like people are just, I don't know, people are just like um, upset that that these people have so many flaws. I'm like, I, no, like that's, that's life. That's real thing. The thing I find least, um, the thing I find least um, believable is the Jack Pearson character. And I'm gonna get to that, but specifically Megan asked me to talk about the adoption and fostering um, dynamics of this of this show. And so what you should know is that, this is if you haven't watched the show, if you have, this is the central theme of the show. What happens is that Rebecca and Jack, when they are almost newly married, get pregnant with twins. And I mean, triplets, excuse me. And uh, like, as a rule, the more multiples you have up in that piece, the more dangerous and the less likely you will give birth to all healthy babies that you that are in there. It is, it, and it's because, like, just the way our body, the human body is made up, like, we're not supposed to pack in 17 babies up in that bitch. It's not, it's not how it's supposed to go. Um, it's not the most safe way to give birth. And, and so, like, you know, giving birth to triplets is, and also these people, 
I forget what year they were born, but they were like 35 when the show started. I think it was like the set, like, they might have been born in 1980 or 1978 or something like that. Um, around that time. And so, um, it's a difficult pregnancy and it, when she goes into, when she goes into labor, what happens is one of the triplets doesn't make it, okay? At the same time, two black, uh, young black people, um, addicts uh, in various stages of addiction um, uh, get pregnant and the mother gives birth and dies. Um, or so we think. Later on, we find out she did and it's about other things. But the mother gives birth and dies. And the father takes the baby and leaves him at a fire station so that he has a shot at life. You know what I mean? They're really poor. They live in... Oh, this is all based around Philly. Okay? And they he lives in, like, whatever part of Philly is the worst part of Philly there and so um he takes him to the fire station and the fire station the fire the people at the fire station take him to the hospital this is happening at the exact same time that rebecca and jack are losing one of their triplets and i'm gonna get what happens is they decide to to adopt this other baby that was born on the same day around the same time as theirs as is their remaining twins, okay? Because they're twins, not triplets now, because I guess they're, tri- like, are they triplets? I guess they're triplets and one's no longer alive. I guess that's the truth, but they, they also call themselves twins, but whatever. And they raise them as triplets. Now, I want to be clear, and also, keep, that's Randall, and keep in mind, Randall's black, okay? So, and the rest of these people are not. So I want to be fucking clear that one of the reasons I really, really fucking hate Jack Pearson is how this fucking storyline starts. And that essentially, while Rebecca is, I want to because she almost dies. I, I think, I think she's like, I think she's nowhere near in this fucking conversation about how, um, like, let's take home this little black baby. And so, and, and he has to tell her that the other triplet, his name, his name is going to be Kyle. Okay. His other triplet, Kyle has died. And don't worry. I've just picked up a little black baby down the hallway. So don't worry about that. We're going to take him home because it was meant to be like, what the fuck? He's, it's one of my biggest problems with Jack is this idea that he like steamrolls everyone into the life that he wants them to have. And he knows what's best. He doesn't ask questions. He instead pushes. And like he and I would not get along at all. Like fucking ask me what I need. Ask me what I want. Ask me do I like this. Don't don't like observe me and then be like this is the thing she wants. You don't actually know what I fucking want because you didn't ask me. Um, and like Rebecca is understandably like what? <laughs> Wait a fucking second. One of the babies died? Uh-huh. You just gonna give me this black baby? Uh-huh. Like, they had no one, like, th- keep in mind, they weren't like, 
hey, first of all, they were already overwhelmed with the idea of having triplets, right? They're really young. They're, they don't make a whole lot of money. Like, it's it's tough. And they have not talked about adoption or anything like that. This is not this has not been a conversation. So when Rebecca is revived or like comes to or whatever, when they're having this conversation, this is the first Rebecca has ever heard of this. But again, Jack has big ideas and we just got to go along with Jack's ideas because Jack is Jack. So I want to tell you, like the first time I watched this, ep- I watched the first episode and I tried to process what happened. I think I watched the first two episodes and I tried to process what happened. And then... My husband who doesn't watch TV, like he only watches what I'm watching. Like right now I'm rewatching a new girl and he's never seen it. And he thinks it's so funny. He's, but he's just because he watches TV over my shoulder. So he's like, oh, this is funny. <laughs> like he, Winston's so funny. Like I'm like, okay, okay. But so my husband who doesn't really watch TV, I remember lying in bed with him and like being like, I'm trying to process these episodes. I'm going to watch them again. And at the end of the two episodes, he goes, do they like that black guy? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they like Randall. Because Kevin and Kate's names are Kevin and Kate. Randall's name is Randall. The other thing is, is that, like, it takes them quite a few, quite a long time to, like, understand that Randall is not... That pretending like Randall is exactly the same as the other two doesn't work. Like, that's not how, how it's supposed to work. And don't get me wrong, I think they I think Rebecca and Jack love Randall. I think it's very obvious. He has a special relationship with Rebecca, partly because she he feels left out and she has to like there's a lot of times she has to swoop in and and she and and Randall's like a complete mama's boy. And he has a very special relationship with Jack because he wants like he wants to be his father's son really badly. But a lot of things are stressful in that. Like, it just feels... So, let me start. I'm gonna get to this next part with the William part. Now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try, I'm trying to like go in the order of my thoughts. So just like, excuse me for not having my thoughts all the way together. They do a thing that well-meaning white people do and that in a reaction is to avoid treating people of color as if they're different. They, they treat or like badly because they're different. They then treat people of color as if there is no difference. And there's a lot of difference. Like there's a point where they meet a black couple of a black family at the pool who's really, who's like becomes really helpful to them over the years. Um, and like, Rebecca's like, does he need sunscreen? And the answer is, yeah, motherfucker, yeah. <laughs> like, he needs sunscreen because he, he's a human with skin. But like, that's a type of thing. And they don't have the resources we have now where we just like Google that shit. Like, and they don't, they, there are no black people that live on their block. There are no black people at his school. They're like, he's the only fucking one. And they don't address this, but I know that they're not taking care of his hair correctly. Like, I bet you anything they are like, <laughs> they are shampooing his hair with white people shampoo every fucking day. <laughs> I bet he had sores in his head growing up before he started taking care of his hair long hair because like, dude, it's different. It's different. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> stuff like that. And things like, 
it's quite obvious Randall's adopted. I think like there's no there's no conversation that we need to have to explain that you're adopted. But it appears that Randall found out like the circumstances of his adoption, like that that he was left at a fire station and that sort of stuff from like a neighbor that his parents had like had that conversation with and they told their children who then told Randall. And that is like, <laughs> never let your kids be sprayed with their own tea, as Funky Dineva would say. Do not allow your children's information to be told to other people before they know it. Like you need to process it with them and like what it means and what we say and like, and the talking points before another child says it to them. I always bring, come back to this Harriet the Spy movie, which is one of my favorite movies. I want to say growing up, but I think I was too old for that shit when it came out. And so like, but it's one of my favorite movies. And when Harriet eviscerates that mean girl in the bathroom by telling her that, I know you say you do all this stuff with your dad, but your dad moved to so-and-so and you barely even talk to him. I know because I heard my mom talking about it and he doesn't love you and he's got a new family. So like, and basically, it's like, you want to see a dead body? Because she just murdered you. And like, do, don't ever, ever, ever let your kids go through that. You, it's up to you to help them process the information and talk about things and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so uh, that, that, that part's rough. Um also, what we find out is because as the, as the series starts, Randall has found his his biological father. He goes there, he opens the door, and is like, "Are you William so and so?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's and and Randall gives him a speech about how he don't need him, he don't want nothing from him, and it's the worst thing. And then when and like it's the worst mistake that William's ever made by letting him go, because I'm great and I'm this and I'm that. And then William's like, "Do you want like a cup of coffee?" And Randall's like, "Yeah." And they go inside. <laughs> That's what I mean about the speeches. Like there, these people are always giving these speeches, and so. <laughs> And so what he finds out, he brings, William's dying. And he brings William home to his own family to, so they can discuss a bunch of things so that he can spend time with his biological father, which is a piece. Like, it is, I forget what they call it in adoptees, but like, like, you can be adopted into a family that you love and it loves you and you can have a great fucking life, but there's a missing piece. And I'm not saying that 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 all adoptees wish they could go back to their bio parents or should or like, but you should be able to talk. You should be able to have knowledge of where you of what brought you into this world and how you got here and the circumstances and like what your journey was. You should have knowledge of that. You should be able to speak freely about that. And you should people shouldn't keep it from you. And they shouldn't like hide it from you. And I know that all circumstances work for that. But the idea that that they were just like, oh. That's the past and don't worry about that is tough. And it's especially tough because what we find out is that Rebecca had found William like right after they got, right after, like almost immediately after the babies were born. She'd found William and she'd gone to, to William's home and met him and, and, and spoke with him and sent pictures over the years. And when William... In that first meeting, when William got a little too excited 
about the idea of possibly being some part of Randall's life. Not not like getting Randall back or whatever, but like like being able to spend like a mo a f- some time with Randall and like share his love of jazz and poetry and things like that. And that Rebecca had like ran out of the house when he was in a different room and like never told Randall about it. And a lot of people on Reddit were like, what were you supposed to do? Tell a child? No, girl, no. But Randall didn't find out that he was like 34 or 35 or maybe it was 36, but they're in their mid thirties when this shit starts. Like, babe, Randall and you have had many conversations over the years about his adoption and about like, he had gotten taken a couple times, like once as a teenager by somebody that was like pretending, like he put a, a ad in the paper and somebody had shown up at the park and was like, yeah, I'm your dad. Got any money? And like, like he'd been actively searching and, and like, and, and, and there were opportunities for you to say, Hey, when you were a baby, I did like seek out who might've left you at the fire station. And I did meet a guy named William, who I believe was your biological father. And over the years, I've sent him little pictures and everything. And now that you're an adult, I'd like to tell you about it. You know, that's a great graduation conversation or a, and I understand that when Randall was graduating, that's when Jack dies. By the way, Jack dies. And it's, it, it creates this like psychic rift in his entire fucking family. And I'm gonna talk more about when I, when I get to Jack. But that's like a great, like there was opportunity to have those conversations, not maybe with a baby or a toddler or even a 13 year old, but Randall, Randall's a good kid. He's a smart kid. He's always the one that does what you want him to do. He's, he's, he's their magical Negro to be completely honest. Like Randall's the, Randall's the best. Randall's the, Randall's the one that can swim the fastest. Randall's the one that's going to mathletes. And Randall's always the one that thinks about mom. Randall's the one that fixes all the situation. Randall's the one that takes care of the family when Jack dies. And, and like, he almost doesn't he even have, pro, have like space to, to have faults, even though he has many. Um, and I'll talk about them when I get to him. But like, I just, it was so wrong of Rebecca. Like it's the, their adoption, again, I understand this is done much like, you know, uh, in a time where people didn't really know as much as they do know now about transracial adoption. But the idea that, that she would have kept that from him is terrible. Terrible. He was a grown man with children and a wife and a whole fucking life. And you still didn't see fit to say, as he asked questions about his, his, where he came from, you still didn't see fit to say, actually, I do have an address. I do have a name and I'll can, I can help you. Like me and your dad, let, let me go over there and like talk to him. Cause you know, William was a drug addict at the time. Let me go over there and talk to him, make sure everything's safe. And then let's set up something for us to meet with him somewhere. Like maybe you don't want him at your house. Like you, like you do want, I don't know, taking baby steps. Like we're going to meet at the park and I'm going to give you some space to talk to William. And I'm going to give you, but like also, you know, Rebecca was scared of losing him. I understand that too. But like, it's it's such a bad idea. It's such a fucking bad idea. Like, if you're an adoptive parent, you have to remember that it's not your story, it's theirs. And like that information is what is for them 
to do what they need to do with it. I keep all of, so I don't know if you guys know this, but as an adoptee, it's really hard to get information about your um, biological family sometimes. And it's because there are laws in place to seal records. Um, and I suppose that's for the privacy of the adults involved, but I, I feel like there's a greater responsibility to the children involved than it is to the adults. So like, I feel like if you're an adoptee, you should be able to get your records unsealed, but apparently that's just not the case. And in fact, like my adoptive kids, um, their adoptions are sealed only by their initials and that I have two copies of each adoption decree. And the lawyer was like very careful, clear with me that if I were to lose those two copies of it, I, it would cost money for me to go back and unseal the adoption because you cannot just go in there and get those records. And like, um, so I make sure that I keep everything I have about bio families. Um, my kids all have pictures like in their rooms of their bio families. And I made them little memory books of like, there has it starts with pictures of their bio families, pictures of them in foster care with their foster care families. And the book ends with pictures of when they came to stay with us and then their adoption and then like family pictures at the end. So it's kind of like a journey kind of thing. And, but I also keep you know, kids lose shit. I keep hard copies of pictures of their bio families. I keep, I have these huge files, their whole Kate, their whole foster care, their, everything from CPS files. I have like, I got as much information from caseworkers about names, phone numbers, addresses, things that I could like use to contact uh, bio family members. And I keep it all in a file so that like, like I still have their original birth certificates. I make sure I keep these things and I make sure I keep them clearly labeled. And like, I found social media stuff, um, like uh, profiles of like different bio families and I keep that in the file. And I try to make sure that like, if at a moment, like when the time is right, and the time I think is gonna be right when they re reach maturity, when they're 18, to be able to say, hey, um, I have this information and I will do everything in my power to help you whatever you need help with. Like if I need, if it's to locate BioFamily, if it's to help you um, get more information about situations that happened or didn't happen, like I will do everything in my power to help you because this is a part of being your parent, right? This is the part, this is the part. Like, and I'm sure I'm going to have feelings about that. Like I don't hold Rebecca like, I'm not like, oh, she shouldn't have had those feelings. Like, those are the fucking feelings. But, like, this is not about you. <laughs> and I hope when I get there, that all the, like, tough feelings I have, I have a therapist or a friend or my husband or somebody to pour that into. And I'm able to do what needs to be done for my children. You know what I mean? Like, it's not fucking about you. It's okay to have feelings about it, but it's not about you. Um... The other thing, but like I said, they, they really, there are times in, in the series where they were, I think they went to some like black dojo one time where they had to do push-ups on each other's back or something. I don't know. They're, and they do befriend this black family that's really helpful in like being like, let me tell you where to get this kid's haircut. And I love that. I love that there was, there's this community that's like, no, I got you. I'm going to help you. Like, I know that there's things you don't understand about, like, black culture and about hair and about them things. And I'm going to fucking help you 
Like, be the best parent you can be. The, so that those are wonderful, like, moments I saw on the show. I used to know this girl who um, had biracial kids and she did not know how to do their hair. So she would just go to black hair stores and just, like, walk around looking sad with the baby's hair looking all wild. And, like, she said always a black lady would come up to her and be like, girl, come on. <laughs> Let me help you. Come on. <laughs> and that she was a military wife. And that's how she would meet, like, hairdressers in, in new places and, like, and find like people to help her because she would just go to black beauty supplies and just be like mm, i'm lost i need help <laughs> look at this baby's hair <laughs> and i love that for her that she found a community that was like let me fucking help you and the pearsons do meet people and do and find that community for themselves to a certain extent but there's a lot of moments like when kevin is um where, where Randall's explaining to Kevin, like, I'm not just your brother, I'm your black brother. And, like, you acted all these years. There's a scene, and they really did, they did this especially during 2020 where they were having, where people were really having, like, racial reckonings. But they did this this episode where they, Kevin, Randall went to go visit Kevin in L.A. Kevin ends up being an actor. And so he's in L.A. And there's this incident that happens um, I believe like they're in a car and the person's playing rap music and like, like there's an incident that happens. Um, and like Kevin's like, it's no big deal. And like Randall's like, you don't even understand. Like how could it be a big deal? Um, I'm gonna talk more about Randall and Kevin's brothers in a little bit, but in what happens later, what what happens later about, I think it's season three or four, when Randall decides to become a foster parent because Randall has two daughters and he really wants a son. So he's thinking about adopting. And Randall's very pro-adoption. At one point, Kate is having fertility issues. She really wants to be a mother. That's really important to her. And she wants to be a biological mother. And Randall's really mad at her about it. Um, because... He's like, you should adopt, this, this, and that. And, like, um, she's like, I want to pass on my father's genes to my children. And, like, Randall really took offense to that because he's like, I don't have, like, he was my father, too. You're saying that, like, my kids don't have him inside. Like, it was a really tough conversation. And, like, listen, I, I'm on Randall. Like, I feel where Randall's coming from. I do not understand like fertility treatments and IVF stuff and things like that. Like I can't imagine spending all my money. First of all, I never met a baby worth $50,000 and that's me for you to say, and I stand by what the fuck I said. I never, I never met a baby worth $50,000. You got to pay $50,000 and you got to change it. It's not potty train when you get it. And I pay $50,000 for it. That's weird. But like, but like seriously though, like in terms of like the idea of spending all my money to work with science and my body to make a baby and it doesn't work would devastate me. Like, especially when people are going through rounds and rounds and rounds of this type of, like, like, I don't, I can't relate to it. I cannot relate. Um, like there would never be a, a journey I would go down. That's it. Randall, mind your fucking business. Like if that's like, that's how you feel great. You don't do it. Like Kate do whatever she needs to do. I don't know how Kate afforded those fertility treatments and none of my business. Kate, Kate's been underemployed the entire, the, the entire series, but okay. 
But like this this thing where like it's perfectly fine, Randall, for you to be at your house being like, I'm not being, I'm not doing all that. This is not it's not necessary. Having a biological kid is not important to me. I as an adoptee, I understand like you can love someone. I felt incredibly loved by my parents and we don't share we don't even share the same fucking race. Like <laughs> I I don't I don't see what the problem is with that. That's fine for you to think at your house, Randall. <laughs> at your house. Well, you say to somebody who is on that journey because that's what's best for them is great. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I'm rooting for you. What can I do to help, sis? <laughs> like, what what can I do to help you? Do you want to talk about it? Do like let's let's that's what you say. You don't go, you know, there are lots of kids in foster care. Girl! <laughs> Get out her business. <laughs> um, Miranda becomes a foster parent. And what they don't end up getting a son. What they do end up getting is a teenage girl. Who's actually older than, than their biological kids. Which is, I have been warned not to do that. That it's, that it's best to go younger than your biological kids, not older. Um, but... Randall becomes a foster parent. They end up adopting her. Her name is Deja. And I just want you guys to know that Randall's the worst foster parent on earth. Randall, first of all, Randall is a busybody, a Mr. Fix-It, a do-it-all, a Mr. Extra, Extra, Extra. I love Randall. Don't get me wrong. I, I, the reason I love Randall is because I love Beth and Randall. But R&B forever. <laughs> but but um, Randall's always doing too much. He's got a lot of Jack Pierce in them all. The 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 things that the things that Randall got from Jack are all too much. So he um he he's constantly like as a foster parent, like you are not in charge of anything. Just so you know. You're not in charge of shit. <laughs> so all you're in charge I'll tell you what you're in charge of. You're in charge of getting those kids where they're supposed to be by law, making sure they stay fed, making sure they feel loved, like making sure that you advocate for them with caseworkers. But whether or not they stay or go is not up to you. Like you, you, it's no one goes, do you think that the bio parent is ready to have to get back? Why? Because none of your fucking business. This is something to do with judges. This has to do with caseworkers. It has to do with lawyers. It has, this is not a, a choice for you. And Randall, like the moment they became foster parents, I was like, girl, we're going to be in so much trouble because you guys love getting other people business. And, um, like he goes to the jail to talk to, uh, Deja's bio mom and tell her that she's not good enough. This, this, and this. And like, Girl, I think the show did a good job of showing him how he was like wrong. That like he has like a one track, like this is how it is. But as a foster parent, the most thing, the the best thing you can be is open. And if you are not, so here's the thing for the best case scenario for all children in foster care is to be returned to their bio parents if circumstances allow. The best case scenario is that whatever was needed to be fixed or helped or improved as has been done so and that they get to go back best case scenario always now some things can't be improved some people are are being abused some people have situations that will never be improved some people are deep deep in addictions and cannot care for children like this is all true but best case scenario families reunited 
Always, 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 always. And you can't be the best, to be the best foster parent you can possibly be, you have to be pro what is best for the child. And whether that's be back with mom, whether that's go live with grandma in Oklahoma, whether that is to live with a, with a, a new adoptive family that can meet their needs and not just like special needs kids. I'm talking about cultural needs. I'm talking about some people, some kids really need like a stay at home mom that can like be by their side most of the time and they can be homeschooled. Like, the, like, Everyone's needs are different. That's the, the best case scenario is for them to go where their needs are being met, hopefully back to bio family, if not to f- people that they know and they trust that are already a part of their, their lives and their village or people. Like, so that means that you have to take yourself out of it. And you can't be a good foster parent if you're not pro what's best for the kid. And being pro kid means being pro bio family. Because like I just told you, most of the time, the best thing for a child is to be able to go back to their bio family with some adjustments and whatever need to be fixed. And so like this idea that like a bio, a foster kid shows up to your house and suddenly they're there, they're yours is wrong. Now you should, you act like they're theirs. Yeah. You should love them like they're theirs. You should parent them like they're theirs. You should, yeah, but they're not yours. They're someone else's. And you should be doing everything you can to facilitate a reunification because that's what's best for almost every child. Again, there are exceptions. Please don't inbox me. But, and if you're going to become a foster parent, you have to have that mindset. And Randall didn't have that. And he, he very much was like, Deja's the best with us. This and that. This and, that. and Deja had a lot of like, I don't know. She had a lot of like growing pains with that family, you know? Um, it's different than her entire, than anything she's ever had. It was just her and her mother. She didn't like Randall and Beth are like living it up. They have like beautiful homes. Um, they, they, you know, they bougie, they Cosby black. Okay. They got, they got art on their walls. You know what I'm saying? They're like, they're, and that's not what Deja's used to. And Deja's really used to like doing her own thing and setting her own life and like, and like, being really independent and here you are in this family that like you need to tell us where you're going you need to like you need to like we have rules here that are different than what you had with your mom because things are different I will say that something that I I feel like the show touched on but I I really wish they do more of it they did more of it is that it was really easy for Deja and Randall to connect because Deja didn't have a dad she never had a dad She didn't have any men in her life. And so connecting with Randall, who's like, you know, super dad. You know what I'm saying? He does little girl's hair. He, he, there's just one scene when they're in high school and like something happened in school and with another girl and like Deja's ready to talk. I mean, Randall's ready to talk shit about that little girl with Deja. And I'm like, that's how I do it with my kids too. My, my kid. So my 11 year old just got a phone and there's a guy, there's a kid in his class named Fabian. Who's like super fucking mean. He's a bully. He's mean. He steals. And he's like really fucking rude. And like my turtle was taking pictures of different people. By the way, he had like a ton of pictures of his teachers in his phone. I was like, lame. <laughs> okay. Turtle. Okay. Turtle. 
But he said, I, there's some pictures of some kids in there too. And I was like, who's this? Who's that? Who's this? And I knew a lot of the names and everything. And he goes, that's Fabian. And I was like, oh. now I see why he's so mean. He's ugly. <laughs> and we laughed about it. And I was like, listen, listen, listen. I'm telling you, sometimes people are mean because they just got a lot of stuff going on with them. And if they had, and their lives were better, they would be nicer to other people. It's hard. It's, it's, it's hard to be nice to people when you feel so mean inside. And I said, one thing that'll make you feel mean as fuck is being ugly. Like, there's nothing we can do about it. You're just ugly. And, and, and you should try to like, you know. Let that go and be nice to people. But being ugly is hard, baby. Being ugly. And me and Turtle laughed and fucking laughed about that. And Miss Dad, was that like good parenting? No. <laughs> I'm always on my baby's side. And so sometimes I have to talk shit about other children. And so that day that Randall was talking shit about, about that girl, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Do it, Randall. Tell her. Tell her. <laughs> I, but yeah, like, I, I, I think they touched on it a little bit that like, it's harder for Beth, his wife, to connect with Deja because Deja has a mother and a grandmother. And Deja, like, knows what that feels like and has those memories. But she doesn't have a father. And, like, suddenly having, you know, Randall there at her, you know, her dance, her drill team tryouts and shit feels good. But having Beth at certain things doesn't because she's replacing her mother and that's like those are small dynamics that you just have to know about i have a sponsored episode coming up on shameless and i one of the points i'm going to end up making on that is that i think that the writers in the room i'd like to know who who the writers were in the writers room and i bet you that a lot of them grew grew up poor or poorish but none of them have been poor as adults because there are certain storylines they missed out that you would not know about as a child that you would understand was like a part of being poor as an adult. And same for uh, This Is Us. I want to know who was in the writer's room, who was contributing to these adoption and foster storylines because some of the stuff they missed, I was like, okay. But that's because maybe you see this from a kid's point of view than an adult's point of view. Um, yeah, like... You know, I don't expect the show to be realistic. Uh, it's an NBC show and it's built for schmaltz and for crying at it. But like, uh, there are some points that I was just like, okay, well, first of all, um, you wouldn't be visiting Deja's mom in jail, Randall. You would not be doing that. The caseworker would be a part of that. And like, um, you actually, they actually might not even let Deja visit her mom in jail, to be honest, because of, uh, certain secure like safety issues that might be that might be she might get letters and they might allow calls and stuff but not maybe not visiting in person just little stuff that I was like ah, eh, they wouldn't do that they wouldn't do that and I did enjoy that at least with the Randall like overstepping his bounds as a foster parent that the caseworker would be like no you can't do that no you can't do that and so that was good um so that's something Megan specifically asked me to talk about. I want to like talk about each of the characters and some things that I like and some things that bother me about them and their storylines over the years. And I'm going to go in order of people I hate to people I like the most. And so I'm going to start with Jack Pearson. And the reason I don't like Jack Pearson is that he is, the way they make him 
is such like a Superman perfect guy. I mean, sure, he's got a drinking problem. Sure, he's got his Vietnam demons. He's just, but they give it to us like this is like the ultimate guy. And I hate almost everything about him. I hate that he's pushy, that he doesn't ask questions. He just does things. And some people love that. But the idea that like, like more than once he bought, he gave all their money to someone for an apartment or a house and never told Rebecca. And people were like, it's a different time. Baby, in the 70s, it is not okay. It was still not okay for you to just go buy a house and come home and be like, I gave all our money to this house. That's not okay. But the show describes that as romantic and I find that to be like one of the least romantic fucking things. He, the truth is, if you watch, the, if you pay attention to the series, the truth is, Jack had a really unstable childhood. His father beat his mother and drank too much. And um, and and then he went to Vietnam after his baby brother went to Vietnam. And like, that was a whole traumatic experience. And, and, and like his brother uh, became an alcoholic and had all this PTSD and all this stuff. And what Jack wanted with Rebecca was like a really stable life. Like, a bunch of kids and a little house and that sort of shit is what he wanted. But that's actually not what Rebecca wanted. Rebecca wanted to sing. There's this, there's an episode where, where he basically goes, she gets little singing gigs. He belittles her. He chases her to the, the gigs and like beats people up in a fucking bar and shit. And like, Rebecca didn't even want to have kids, but like she, had to change your mind because Jack wanted to have kids and he was like this is what I want he he wanted this little family and it's either this or nothing it, like it's my way or the highway and Jack is always like that he's always like that and and it's so hard you know this isn't the first time I've seen some like this love story on screen that I was like oh girl you in danger like uh a star is born the remake scared the whole fucking time the whole time, like, this, guys, do you, have you, you seen this movie? Everyone loved it. The first time she sleeps with Jackson, Allie sleeps with Jackson, she is flown out to his, uh, show, and yeah, 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 that's, that's, like, totally, like, you know, that's totally flooding people's basements, like, you, people are, 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 like, flying you places, and you going behind stage, and he's on, like, yeah, 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 I get that far, but afterwards, he's, like, fucked up drunk, and they're in his hotel room, and he passes out and pisses on himself in the bed. Now, I can't remember if he literally pissed. I think he pissed on himself in the bed. And so she just waits around after he passes out. And then a little while later, he wakes up. And um, she's like, she busts it open for him. And they're like, yeah, we're in love. Girl, you don't think this is weird? Now, somebody's going to email me and be like, girl, he did not piss on himself in the bed. Well, he passed out. Okay. He pissed on himself later in the movie, but he passed out. And I, I consider, when I say pissy drunk, that's that passed out drunk right there because you will piss on yourself. And I just feel like someone like passes out from alcohol. You just kind of wait in the room until they come back <laughs> and then bust it open for them. The whole, I was like, girl, get out of there. Get out of there. <laughs> the, the whole movie, every time something good happened for her, he had to make sure to diminish it by creating chaos on his end. It was like such a bad relationship and people 
oh, like it's a great love story. No, it's not. And Jack can be like that with Rebecca. I'm not saying Jack ha didn't have good qualities. He did. But he is... Listen, I know men, he ain't perfect. Ain't no man fucking perfect. And the way they talk about him is if he is like this this guy who walked on water, this earthbound God. And I'm like, this is not true. He literally had a drinking problem. He literally had anger issues. Jack Pearson dies so what happens? This is how he dies. This is why, like, if you haven't seen the, sh the, the, the show, you may have seen on Twitter people making a lot of crockpot jokes about, like, how a crockpot will kill you. And it's because th there's a faulty crockpot and it burns down their house. Jack goes, keeps going in to, like, save his family, obviously, like anyone would do, like, I'm, I would be guilty of that too. Um, I just looked at that. Um, I was just looking at some news reports about that shooting that happened. I keep saying U Valley. I could be wrong. It could, it could be called something else, but that's what I haven't heard anybody say the words. Um, that shooting happened in U Valley and that woman that hopped over a fence and ran inside to get her kids. Like, yeah, like I would die trying to get to my fucking kid. I don't care. You can shoot me if you have to. I will die trying to get to my fucking family and so I understand like Jack like trying to make sure everyone gets out of the house and um Kevin has snuck out that night to go sleep at his girlfriend's house and so like that was tough because they were looking for him they thought he was in the house and he ends up going back for this dog that Kate has and was really caring about and he doesn't die from that. He does get hurt, but he goes to the hospital and what he ends up dying from is smoke inhalation. And which is like how most people die in fires. Most people don't get burnt up in fires. You die from the smoke inhalation. And it's it's kind of like dry drowning, like how you can be fine and but you can still drown because the because wa water in your lungs can kill you later. Like it's like it's like that. And you know, when Jack went back for the fucking dog, Jack went back for that dog the same reason that Will Smith smacked Chris Rock. And it wasn't because of Jada or Kate. It's because you addicted to this, I'm gonna be the one. I'm gonna be the super guy. I'm gonna be the person. And I just, I just find him as a character to be so not, not the one I'd so and I understand him and Rebecca are really in love and he's like you know he's always doing nice things but again he's an incredibly controlling character and I also think he ruined this family because there's an episode later on in the season where Kevin's in rehab and they all go to and the, it's like a family like session or whatever it's actually really good because it points out a lot of the problems I have and that is that they have canonized uh, Jack Pearson as this person to live up to and nobody's that perfect just because you remember him that perfect doesn't mean that's what he is in fact some of these these scenes these that we get with Rebecca and Jack I've come to think of them as memories which means that they are not accurate you know what I mean like it means that this is what they remember and not actually what happened because it can't be like this you know I love my dad my stepdad if I was talking about my bio dad I would say that um because I'm almost never talking about him but 
I love my dad to pieces and he is the sweetest person in the world. And like my mom's like, I don't know, my mom's like sharp metal, you know, like there, there is something about her. First of all, my mom gives the fuck she wants. Okay. She gets what she wants. She does what she wants. She's like a, you know, there's a gardener and a flower in every relationship. My mom's a flower and she found herself a gardener. And like, that's awesome. My mom like makes shit happen. But my mom, like I said, sharp metal. And so she's not a comforter. Not like that. Like she's definitely, uh, I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to get this done for you. And don't you fucking worry. What what was that bitch's name? I'm going up there now. She's definitely that person. <laughs> but she's not great at comforting you. And she's not great at the softness aspect. She's not very soft. She's not cuddly like that. Um... I didn't cuddle my mom growing up all the time. Um, if I had a fucking problem, I'd be like, Mom, what, what happened? Blah, blah, blah. She'd be like, oh, I'm on the way. But, but like, she wasn't like a, a cuddler. Um, but my dad's a cuddler. And he's a he's like a sweet guy. He's a soft guy. He's a person that like tells you everything's going to be okay and like prays over you. You know what I mean? So he's, listen, he's great. He's great. But he's not perfect. My, my dad is an alcoholic. Um, he hasn't drank in, I want to say 30 years, 30, maybe, maybe getting close to 30, 32 or 33 years, but he's, he's functionally an alcoholic. He grew up around alcoholics. His father is an alcoholic. His siblings, many of his siblings were, his mother was an alcoholic. I think she died from alcohol related disease. And like, he's got his fucking flaws. Okay. That doesn't stop the fact that I adore him and that like if I need softness and I need someone to cuddle me and I need someone to come at me soft, I know where to fucking go. I, I've i told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. Like my favorite memory of my, of like, a, like a, a, a sweet memory of my dad is it was snowing in Norfolk, Virginia and it doesn't snow often there, but it was snowing. And my dad decided to go like light snow. Nothing, nothing, nothing crazy guys. Not, it was a lot for there, but like nothing. Anybody who actually gets snow would be like, oh, this is snowing. It's like, whatever. my dad had decided to go to the food line up the street to go get supplies. Cause he's going to make turkey noodle soup for us. And me and my brother are sitting at the house and he had just left. And, um, we looked at each other and we said, we miss him. He'd already left. He just left. We miss him. So we get our little clothes, our little shoes and our coat on. And I don't know. We weren't that old. We were probably like, I was probably, we were in middle school or maybe I was in high school and he was in middle school. And we walk up to the food line through the shortcut to go get our dad. And we go through, we get in the food line and we just start calling his name. We don't call him dad. But the thing we call him, we, we start calling his name through the aisles until we hear him call back and then we run down to see where the aisle he's at and he sees us and he goes, Hey, what are you guys doing here? And we're like, we missed you. <laughs> and he, and he hugged us like really fucking hard. And then we just like finished his shopping with him and drove home with him. And for no other reason, we just wanted to see him and he just left. I, I'm, 
listen, I understand how much those kids love their dad and how much of like a force of nature he is in their in their lives. But like I have sweet memories like that too. I have I just remember this one time I was really young and I told my dad I'd seen some white people on TV eating cantaloupe. And I don't know, my parents grew up really poor. So like they never they didn't buy like fresh fruit and shit like that because it's cheaper to buy canned things and processed things. And so like we didn't just have like fruit in the house. Maybe an apple or every now and then some navel oranges. But like I was like, what is that? That is some special thing white people have. And I told my dad, I was like, so I was watching TV and they had this thing called a cantaloupe. Do you know what that is? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I want one. And I was like, I just want to have some of that. And maybe some of some stuff. It's called yogurt. (laughs) And my dad came home from work the next day with a cantaloupe. And he gave it to me. And I was, I remember looking at me like, how do you open this thing? (laughs) And I was so happy. And he cut it for me. And I ate. I was like, this is delicious. And I know people like cantaloupe's trash fruit. Okay, fine, fine. But like. A small thing like that that would not have occurred to my mother. My mother would be like, girl, why are you bothering me with this shit? Stop watching TV. <laughs> That's what she would have said to me. But my father was like, no, no, no. I'm going to like, I'm about to, I'm about to bust open your fucking world. I'm going to go and get one of the fucking cantaloupes from the fucking store. And I'm going to come back and we're going to have cantaloupe together. And we're going to talk about it. And like, it was such a special thing to me. Like, I get it. I get how much the Pearson kids love their dad and how he was so special in a lot of ways. And that's awesome. But it doesn't mean he doesn't have flaws. Everybody has fucking flaws. And so the, the, the most of the series is them trying to live up to this bigger than life thing that he put before them. And I just wish that Rebecca would, I wish Rebecca would do something to make it clear that he was not the most perfect man on earth, but she thinks that too. And he just doesn't exist. I do not like this character. I think he's, I I found like lots of flaws in the things he does and these people can't see it. And it really fucking bothers me. Um, so the next character I dislike is Kevin. Guys, Kevin, so Kevin's an actor. He was in this show called The Manny, um, where he took off his shirt a lot and he actually like, like had like, gave a speech, (laughs) a really bad speech in front of a live studio audience and lost his job. And the the show basically follows him as he, um, you know, the life of an actor. Um, he's, so it's played by Justin Hartley, which is the ex-husband of that chick on that show y'all like about not selling real estate. I can't do it. I, I don't care about that show. It's so like, um, some people, so you kind of know what he looks like. I mean, he is a very handsome guy, but I've had a really hard time connecting to Kevin. Nothing, Kevin was selfish and self-centered and mean and sometimes racist towards Randall, like from the time that they were small kids. And and I understand, like, it felt like in the last two years, they really wanted to, like, make Kevin, like, kind of give Kevin some redeemable qualities. But I've never connected. They, they wrote Kevin the character for some other audience member because I didn't connect with Kevin. It, it might be because he's a white dude. I don't know. But, like... It just feels like, I don't know. It just, he just feels like whiny all the time and he feels spoiled. He really feels fucking spoiled. And I just don't do well with characters like that. Um, 
towards the end, he he was like trying to figure out, you know, he got Madison pregnant with twins. I think it was triplets and then they got reduced. I don't know. It might have just been twins. And, um, you know, he was all set to get married. He's all set. Like, everything Kevin does feels like a three-act play. He... It was like he had decided, I'm now doing the let's settle down play. And so he and so he threw himself into it, you know. But he didn't love Madison. And Madison asked him to tell her that he loved her and he couldn't do it. And I'm like, you can't even say you love her? You're in love with her? You All this stuff you're doing, you can't say that? Why would you do all this? It was tough. Um... And I also did not, like, so his storyline is that, like, at one point, so he, he's been dating, he's been in love with this little girl, Sophie, since he was a little, little girl, since he was a little boy. They got married very, they dated in high school, they got married, like, really young, he cheated on her, they got back together, like, at some point, and, like, a bunch of stuff, and the, the series ends, they're back together. Can't relate, <laughs> can't relate to some shit like that. Getting back together and breaking up, getting back together and breaking up. Why? <laughs> um, I think that some of the most powerful, and also Kevin is an alcoholic. We find out, like, as the series goes on, that Kevin has, like, a huge drinking problem. And he goes through rehab and all these different things. And, and it, he also takes a journey through finding, like, his father's, like, his father's brother and everything. There's a lot of stuff that he goes through and I don't care about none of that shit. Every time Kevin's on the screen, I'm like, okay, whatever. Don't care. Don't care. Me no care. Involve Kevin. <laughs> and I know, and so, like, if you do care about Kevin, if Kevin is, like, one of your favorite people to watch, I would love if you commented somewhere to let me know, like, why and, like, you know, I might go back and rewatch This Is Us in a few years or so. And I'd love to like be able to be like, okay, well, keep a lookout for this on Kevin. Because that might make you feel better about Kevin. Like, nor And the same goes for Kate. I don't like Kate either. Kate's played by Chrissy Metz, I think. She is um, a, an, a fat woman, okay? And, and she, at the beginning of the a series she is Kevin's assistant and Kevin treats her pretty badly to be completely honest and they have a you know but they have a bond they're twins that's another thing again you guys act like they call them the big three and they have like this little poem that please don't make me say it because even like when they say it I I, I don't feel good about life when they say it I'm like oh gross fast forward um but like they are connected in a way that they aren't to Randall even though Randall's also you know Kate's brother but Kate and Kevin have like I mean Kevin and, and Randall have like this shit like like who's the best son to this man that walks on fucking water um but Kate begins her own journey and the thing that bothers me about the Kate stuff on paper I should connect with Kate really well Kate's fat Kate is going through feeling like her life doesn't have any meaning. Um, Kate is, she's 
they start a really beautiful love story with her and Toby, her husband, who's also fat. Um, I mean, but the, the, the actor who plays him is wearing a fat suit. And I guess they got tired of him being a fat suit because they did a storyline where it turns out that he's been working out secretly and he is not fat at one point and how that affects their relationship. And they met in Overeaters Anonymous. This is also where Kate met Madison. Madison has an eating disorder. And she goes to Overeater Anonymous or something that's supposed to be like that. And they are, everyone around her is fat and she is skinny. And she's in there with them talking about her diets and shit. While the rest of them are just like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And actually there's a really good scene. It's one of the few times that I was like, oh, I love a Kate scene. Where... Madison and Kate become best friends and then they hang out forever after that. And that's how she ends up with Kevin. But like where they're fighting in the parking lot, she's like, you just keep showing up these fucking meetings with your skinny ass. (laughs) Talking about that you are. And like Madison, like kind of details, like it's like, I like, you don't have, you, maybe I'm not like fat, but you've never walked a day in my shoes. I mean, listen, this is, this is all fiction. There's no way fucking Madison should be in that group, but still, um, I, I did enjoy that. But the thing is like, Kate ends up, you know, she's struggling to conceive. They end up having a, a son who, um, there's some complications and he's born blind and, now she's got a son with disabilities. Um, and then she ends up like, they end up using a surrogate for their next child and just like all this stuff. And like, yeah, um, on paper, I should connect with this, but I hate Kate. And she's so fucking bitchy. She's so mean. She's mean as an adult. She's mean as a teen. She's mean. She's not mean as a child or a preteen, but like, And I understand how this is supposed to go. Like she lost her father. She has issues with her mother. Her mother's beautiful. Like Mandy Moore's fucking beautiful. And having to be, being a fat kid with your super smart brother who does everything great and he's adopted. So he's definitely special. And your brother, your other brother, who's handsome and good and good at all sports stuff and all that type of thing. And goes on to be a very famous actor. And, and like, you feel left out and you feel down and all those other things. And, and, and then the guy that you connect with the most, your father dies when you're 18 years old. And Kate has been fat all her life, but she, she started getting a lot of weight at that point. Like, but I don't like she she's so fucking mean all the time. And like watching someone be mean to Mandy Moore is really hard. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so like you automatically how can I like a person that's mean to Mandy Moore? <laughs> um and she ends up with this guy named Toby. Well, she doesn't end up with him, but a, a good portion of the series she ends up with this guy named Toby, who is just trying to live into her father's shadow. And like just trying to like oh by the way Jack was a big Steelers fan so's Rebecca the Steelers are in this, this series a lot my husband is a really 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 big Steelers fan like a huge Steelers fan 
Um, don't ask me about it. I don't. I don't fucking know. I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand that sport. But um, it's like important, and like Toby does everything to like the Super Bowl's a big day, and I think he. Had, I think Jack dies on Super Bowl Sunday because that's what they're using that crock pot for to make like chili Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and like Toby adjusts everything for her, and like chases her down and makes her feel special and helps her discon and help her like stop being so codependent on Kevin and like all these different things, and so they spend the first part of that relationship with him just being like her everything, like making everything work for her. Um, and it feels like it's her first real, real, real relationship. And as the relationship goes on, Toby gets skinnier. They have the kids and everything. And then he can't, he loses his job and he has to stay at home and he feels and they're like broke. I mean, they're, Kate's perpetually underemployed. Like it's just how it is. She's like either Kevin's assistant or she's working as like a, a music teacher in, in a school for blind kids and like girl you don't get paid and 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 what happens is Toby ends up getting a job in San Francisco and they live in LA in San Francisco um to uh and he ends up having to commute back and forth which is like wild and he wants her to move up and she doesn't want to which I understand she's she's got her family her mother's sick we'll talk about that um and just like it's tough and it's towards the end of the in the last season and they make Toby into such a terrible person and I'm like why I understand that Kate has to leave Toby and it's good that they left each other they broke up because god damn it like trying to be with someone and just screaming at them all the time and just having all this shit it's like nobody wants that in their lives nobody wants that and they end up breaking up but like it's mostly because she doesn't like how Toby's changed, how he's a schmoozer now and how he's at this big job where he feels valuable and, and he's making a lot of money. And he's like, I have to make a lot of money. He's like, you want me to be this Hawaiian shirt wearing guy that's making all these jokes. But I was that person because I was miserable. I was miserable. And I poured everything into you. And you want me to come like take a job in LA that doesn't make any money. And we have a child with disabilities and like, a, a note taker, a braille note taker, $6,000. Do you know that? Do you know how much it's going to cost to do this and that? And I like, I really felt for Toby because like, I've been there where I've been like, no, somebody's got to make some money. Like, I understand people want to be happy, but, we, but like, I can't be poor. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't like, like, it's all well and good until you don't have anything to eat. And so, like, and I felt that there. But I also, like, understood where Kate was coming from is that, like, um, you know, once her she had her blind son, she threw herself into, like, him. And, like, wanting him to have the very best life possible. Their, their life actually, their marriage actually ends, or the beginning of the end happens because Kate is, her son's, they say he's a toddler, but I guess he's, like, four maybe five and that's not technically a toddler I guess I think a toddler's like two and three or like 18 months to fucking three um but on Saturdays she takes him to the park and she sings a song to help him figure out how to get to the park because again he can't see and he's supposed to be uh using I don't know what that's called there's a name for it um I'm gonna call it a blind person stick, but there's an actual name for it. And like using that to get around and things like that. She's she wants her son to like 
have dignity and be independent and have this from a young age so that you don't have to teach it to him when he's 18. That like, this is something he was born with and understands. And like, we're not trying to fix him. We're trying to make sure he has everything he needs to live the life he wants to. We're trying to make sure that we can give him the things he, we're going to adapt the world to him. And I like, I thought that was like such a, like the right thing to do. Like, like, I thought she was on the right track with that. But she taught, she, Toby's not really there. He's gone a lot. Um, cause he's working in San Francisco to make the money for the stuff. And, um, yeah, she, so she's talking about a walk to the, to the park and they're having like the worst day. They're arguing and they're having a little party or whatever. And they, and he leaves and walks to the park and falls and hits his head when he gets to the park. And it becomes like the beginning of the end of their relationship because, this thing that happened where they thought they lost their son. He's gone. He's blind. We don't know where he is. All Anything could happen to him. Like it's like all the dangers that you already worry about. Also, he can't see. And so now like, like you worry about your kid getting hit by a fucking car all the time anyway. Cause they're like wild animals that just run into the fucking street and people don't give a fuck. They're driving fast as fuck at all times. And then add to the fact that this kid can't even see. And like, they got him back, but like, it was the beginning of everything. Cause like, Kate just doesn't think that Toby tries as much, and also doesn't accept their son's disability. That like, he's blind, and we're gonna do everything possible to make sure he has the life that he wants. But like, it's not about fixing him. And Toby's first thought is like, we got to fix him. We got to get surgeries. We got to do this. We got to do that. And like, maybe he doesn't need to be fixed, Toby. And then also they they have things about like, they both were fat kids and Toby's not fat anymore. I mean, he's not small, but like he's a dude. So he's just like a large dude now. He's not fat, fat. And Kate still is. Like, there's a couple of scenes with her like trying to be on a plane and like I do appreciate that Kate being fat is not her own, her character's only thing. I do appreciate that. I really do. Um, that like we could have had six or seven seasons. I think it's seven seasons. I think of Kate being fat, 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 kind of like what they were doing on, on when I, on the Patreon right now, I'm doing Real Housewives of New Jersey season four. And it's just Lauren's storyline is that Lauren is fat. Lauren's fat. Lauren's still fat. Lauren's going to be fat. Lauren, fat, 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 Lauren, fat, fat, fat. But Kate's storylines do not always revolve around her being fat, but her being a fat person is considered in her storylines, which I appreciate because like being fat is not the only thing she is. It's not the only thing she's, she'll be thinking about or dealing with in her entire life. But, um, like, they have problems and they have disagreements with that where she's like, I care very much about like what I put in my kids' mouths and I really care about that. And like, she can see Toby like taking sugar away from Jack and Haley, the other kid, and doing different things. And she's like, you're scared he's going to be fat. And like, that's your, he's already blind. And you're scared he's gonna be fat too. And like, Toby's like, we were both fat kids. It was fucking hell. I'm going to do whatever I can with our jeans. I'm going to do whatever I fucking can to like 
make sure my son has a great life. And like, listen, I get them where they're both coming from. Like Toby's scared. Toby wants the best for his fucking kid. But Kate's like fixing him, changing him, squeezing him into like a, a little box so that nothing bad will ever happen to him is not the way to go. But anyway, they end up breaking up. And I actually cried at this part where they were getting divorced and she's like, this is not the end of our story. This is the end of our marriage. We're going to be around each other. We're still friends. I still care about you. It was really good. She ends up marrying the dude from You're the Worst. He's popped up in a lot of stuff. I think he was also in A Million Little Things. And like the character is so different than Jimmy that I'm like, mm, suspicious. But <laughs> like, I don't believe this. But uh, she ends up remarrying to that guy and it's really cute um when they're going on their first date or something he's she's like you don't understand this and this and this and I'm fat and he go looks at her and goes wait are you not skinny <laughs> it's so fucking funny <laughs> I don't know why it just really got me because he was like what <laughs> anyway um yeah I mean listen I like Kate better than I like Kevin I really do but Kevin, because Kevin is so self-centered that it's really hard for me to get on that train. Kate's pretty self-centered too. And I like, but I do relate to, I don't relate, but I do, I did like a lot of the scenes she has with her mom and like having all this tension with her and these different things. And like when Jack is first born and, and like uh, Rebecca's there like taking notes and trying to figure stuff out and stuff. And Kate's like, I am his mother. Let me do this. I can do this. You know, because everybody's on underestimated Kate all her life, you know, except for her dad, I guess. All right. So in order of people I dislike, I um, I did Kate, Rebecca, listen, like I said, I'm real mad about Rebecca and, and this reason a black baby without putting lotion on him. She needs lotion, Rebecca. <laughs> black people are not washing go. We have to moisturize. It's really fucking important. Like, you know, I sent your baby out there with those ashy fucking knees. But <laughs> I like Rebecca a lot. Um, I will say, so the big thing about Rebecca is that as the series comes to the last three or four seasons of the series, Rebecca's dealing with dementia. I don't know if it's Alzheimer's per se. It's, that's what they're saying it is. But it's a type of dementia that it's early onset. And she is like not remembering things and we're slowly watching her die and I just really thought that she I thought that storyline was interesting I think that like a lot of people would have given Rebecca cancer if they wanted this to be a countdown to her death and you know one of the things This Is Us does really well is flash forwards to the future and you're like oh my god who is that what's going on wait Kate's marrying somebody else besides Toby and like this is like why you're in the midst of like Toby and Kate are a great relationship and things like that like um and so when we first heard that Rebecca was dying like I just assumed it would be from cancer right but the fact that the dementia storyline is like even a little bit better so there's not much to say about Rebecca. I've already told you how great Mandy Moore is at acting and, and specifically this being this character in many different stages of her life, just the use of makeup. Like she deserves all the fucking flowers. Um, I want to talk a bit about Miguel. So what happens after Miguel is Jack's best friend. And when Jack dies, uh, you know, uh, Rebecca and Miguel are friendly because they've been friends through their husband for a long time. She 
starts to care for him, but he moves to Houston. And then many years later, after Randall has their first kid, because this this all happens when they're like in college. So Randall and Beth don't have their first kid for a long time. And after they have their first kid, um, they reconnect on Facebook. And then they start dating. And then they get married. And this pisses Kevin off. And like, I get it. <laughs> I get that it's weird. But you know, like I said, I've told you guys many times, my family's like fucking messy. So like a lot of things I'm just like, okay. <laughs> so you're gonna do what? All right, sounds fine. And so, but like, also it's not unusual for old people to do this, to like lose a spouse and then like marry a friend or even his brother because like, that's who you know and that's who you connect with. Although they weren't, these they weren't 80 when this happened. So, so I understand like, I don't know. I just like, Kevin, why is your dad like a God that walks among us? But he'd also want your mom to be lonely for the rest of her fucking life. Do you really think that? He's, he's the perfect person. He, all he wants is for you guys to be happy and for all he does is this never ending love, but he wants your mother for, cause Jack's like 40. They're like 40 when Jack dies. She, she's got another like 40 years to go. She's supposed to be by herself the entire time. Kevin. I don't know. And this happened like justice for fucking Miguel because people, I remember when it first became clear. Cause in the first season it became clear that she had married Miguel and he was Jack's best friend. And people were like, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. And I'm like, guys, the fucking man's dead. And listen, I don't care about my mom's vagina at all. Once I slid out that bitch, I left it alone. She can do what the fuck she wants with it. And I, I think if my dad died, I'd be really sad. Like, I think, I know I'd be like devastated, okay? But the fact is like, all I care about is my mom getting another daughter. Now, if she get another daughter, it's on like fucking popcorn. I will fucking. I'm still listening to a lot of Dateline uh, podcast episodes. If that, if my mom got some sort of, some sort of girl that she started thinking of as a daughter figure and that girl disappeared, check me out. Figure out where the fuck I am. Ping my phone because bitch, it was me. Because I'm not fucking having it. But like, I don't know. Like in terms of a relation, I don't care. I mean, I'm saying that now, but like. I don't think I care. I really don't think I care. And, but they really care. And the thing is, is that Randall's really fine with, I don't, I don't think Randall loved it, but Randall's fine because he lived, he's, for most of the series, he and, he and Rebecca, you know, they're in like a incestuous relationship, <laughs> emotionally incestuous relationship. Um, and he's lived like 30 minutes away. So, so his kids think of Miguel as their grandfather. His, uh, he spends a lot of time with them, but Kevin hates Miguel. Um, and the Pearsons like are this family that thinks everything that ever happened to them is like lore and like so fucking special like they have like a special hat that everybody gets to wear that people take turns wearing at Thanksgiving based on a really creepy nasty thing that like Thanksgiving they had once as kids and stuff like that and so like like they're they're such like you're an outsider, we're an insider. Everything about our family was perfect until our dad died. And I'm like, guys, you're not that fucking special. Everybody's family feels like has special things. The fact that you guys watch, is it Police Academy? Every Thanksgiving doesn't make you guys so special. You know what I mean? It's so fucking weird. But 
Yeah, justice for fucking Miguel. Miguel has done nothing. Miguel, like, never did nothing to nobody. All he did was show up on screen and love everybody. He's so nice. He's even, like, there's just one, when they do that family therapy episode, which is a really good fucking episode. I think it's season two when Kevin's in rehab. Because um, he drove drunk with, with Randall's kid in the backseat, <laughs> like, and crashed into some shit. To be fair, he didn't know his, the kid was in the backseat, but he was still driving fucking drunk. And it's incredibly dangerous and selfish. But um, while they're doing that, Beth, Randall's wife, Toby, Kate's husband at the time, and Miguel, Rebecca's second husband, go off to have like a beer. And like Beth and Toby are commiserating about how the Pearsons are so fucking un- insufferable, like the most insufferable fucking family. All they do is fucking fight with each other and, and raise and like, you know, do moon ceremonies to their fucking dead dad. And they're like making fun of Jack. And even Miguel's like, Hey, don't talk about Jack like that. Cause, th- cause he loved Jack too. He's his best friend. I don't know. He's just so nice. And he took care like, as Rebecca is like slowly subcoming to dementia, like Miguel just loves her. Miguel actually dies before she did. There's a great episode where it's just a Miguel episode. And it, for me, like, I really liked it. It was a little too late for me. Like, I really wish they'd given Miguel his flowers a little earlier. But, like, he's just, like, I don't care how old I get. I don't care how sick I am. I'm going to be next to your mother. Like, it grounds her to see me in the morning. It helps her figure out where she is and who she is. And, like, while she's, like, you know, like, sliding into dementia, he, um he uh has to deal with the fact that she keeps thinking she's still married to Jack and stuff and he's like taking care of her and he's got and he's I don't know y'all stop not leave Miguel the fuck alone guys he's done his best he's a part of this family and y'all keep thinking of him as outsider and like listen I don't love that he's like disconnected with his own children I don't like that at all it, if it does feel shitty that you're over here like loving the shit out of Rebecca and being uh, granddaddy to her grandkids and like always involved in her kids shit and all that other stuff it does feel shitty and you're not connected to your kids and they, there are vague reasons for that apparently and like they do seem to make up in the end because they do some flash forwards where when Miguel dies and his kids are around and they're spreading his ashes and doing things like that and that's nice that they resolve that by the series finale but I don't love that, but for the most part, Miguel ain't did nothing to nobody. Y'all leave Miguel alone. Y'all act like Miguel was fucking Rebecca while she was still married to Jack, and he wasn't. And there are people that are like, he was in love with her the entire time. She was pretty, okay? He said she was pretty. He had a whole fucking wife, though. He wasn't trying to fuck her. He would only say nice things about her to Jack. He would only encourage Jack to go home when his ass was out drunk and shit. He, he, like... Like, he never was, like, put a hand on her ass and tried to fuck her. Like, leave Miguel alone. Miguel ain't did nothing to y'all. Shit. (laughs) I'm just saying, y'all claim your daddy was this and he was that. But if it was really all that, he would have said, I want Rebecca to be as fucking happy as possible. I want my family to be happy. And if... Miguel's a person like their mother dated several men several men like I'm saying like she for the streets or whatever but I'm like, like she she was only like 40 ish she might have been 39 or I don't know she was she's pretty young when when Jack died and she's dated other men and 
she's pretty young looking when Jack dies. By the time she and Miguel get together, she's a little older. And like, you know, leave Miguel alone. <laughs> leave Miguel alone. And if Jack is all that you say he is, he would have wanted her to be as happy as fucking possible. Get the fuck out of here. Kevin was like, listen, every time you hear the... He, this one, he was a teenager. And this is before they even got together. This is when it became very obvious. Like, Miguel moves to Houston. They lose touch. But before that, they're, like, hanging out. They're, like, best friends. They're, you know, he, they're each dating other people. But they're, like, you know, watching movies together and spending a lot of time together. They have a lot of shared experiences together. And during, like, a game of, I think it's Password. It's one of those, or Taboo. It's one of those games where you guess the word or whatever. Um, uh, it's just very clear that, like, Rebecca and Miguel have a lot together, have a lot in common. And, um, yeah, and, and she even yells, I love you. And it's just clear she has, she's starting to have feelings for Miguel. And Kevin's like, listen, every time you hear the rumble under your feet, that's my dad rolling over his grave. First of all, Kevin, put that fucking beer down. All right. Cause even young Kevin was drinking way too much. And second of all, mind your fucking business, Kevin. You just cheated on your own wife and you're only 18 years old. Shut up. <laughs> Don't like you either. Don't like Kevin as an adult. Don't like Kevin as a teenager. I don't like him as he's. I don't like him as a preteen. And I really don't like him as a child because he is so fucking whiny, so fucking whiny. <laughs> like, yeah, nobody loves me. I'm a straight white guy. I've got a, the short end of the stick. I'm incredibly fucking handsome and good at everything. Such reading. Ah. Like, shut up, Kevin. <laughs> so, <sighs> there is a good episode where, so Kevin is a celebrity. I mean, not like, he's a celebrity. Okay. I don't, I, I'm trying to figure out like what level celebrity he'd be on. I don't know. What's that guy? I mean, I guess he'd be on a Justin Hartley <laughs> level. <laughs> it's fucked up. The guy who plays him level. Like famous, like, mm, are you famous? And, and, um, he, uh, he met some girl, you know, cause he's always having love, love issue, love problem, love issues, you know, love life problems. He met some girl and they were clicking and it turned out that like she was married, but he was her hall pass. So she, so like, it's not her mother. She's texting. It's her husband. Cause he's allowing her to sleep with him as a hall pass. And I thought that episode was really interesting about like, it said a lot about like what it's like to be a celebrity and like, can it be owned by different people and how people think it's okay to treat you a certain way because there's a different kind of power dynamic and like you're rich and you have money and you're, and you're cute and you're, you'll be fine. And you're handsome, you're on magazine covers and people know who you are. So you'll be fine. So it's perfectly okay for me to sit here and fucking lie to you all fucking day. Um, it was interesting. It was really interesting. Um, so let's talk about Randall. Randall's my least hated of all of the uh, Pearsons. Um, mostly, like I said, because of Beth. I like Randall and Beth together. Um, they are absolutely couple goals. They, and I hate even saying that because, because like in real life, you have no idea what people are like behind closed doors. Um, but I mean, we're watching fiction, so I do know what they're like behind closed doors. But even that, I hate saying that because Randall and 
and Beth have like serious like uh, baggage in their relationship. Let's start with the obvious. Randall is terrible when he is trying to emulate Jack, right? So he's the type of person that kind of pushes and pushes and pushes. Um, we see a lot of things like with Deja. Deja, <laughs> Deja falls in love with this single father that goes to her school. And like he eventually, I guess, he gets accepted, I think, to, was it Harvard? I don't know, he's in Boston. And, um, so he's in Boston and, uh, he and his baby moved to Boston and Deja like sneaks out there to have sex with him. And then, and then like, uh, she wants to move, she wants to quit school to go live with him and shit. And like, the truth is when they introduced, his name is Malik. When they introduced Malik and Deja together, they did a lot, like, if you're susceptible to the editing, you like it's very easy to fall into this love story of Malik and Deja. But the whole time I was like, girl, you in danger. <laughs> like, this is not cute. This is not <laughs> someone who doesn't even have a driver's license falling in love with a single dad who still is like entangled with his with his baby moms and like <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Too young to be taken on baggage like that, but um, that relationship requires Deja, like, gives Randall the opportunity to, um, really like show his Papa Bear side, you know. And I'm just like, I don't like it. I don't like anytime he's pretending to be Jack. I mean, the truth is, like I said the, earlier, they they really do a, a magical Negro edit with with Randall, and um, he's like, he's in charge of taking care of mom. He's in charge of like carrying on the legacy, and he is the most like Jack, even though he is obviously the most not like Jack because uh, he's not Jack's biological child. But because he, in terms of being a family man and like being terribly in love with his wife and and you know, but Randall suffers from the anxiety of trying to be the most perfect person on earth. And uh, he gets hysterical blindness at one point. And like, there's a lot going on with Randall. Um, and I don't mind the, those storylines. I, I enjoy, like, I enjoy someone being blind. I enjoy, I enjoy, us seeing the other side of like this this guy with this perfect life and this perfect 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 everything um let me tell you a storyline i don't enjoy with randall the political storyline i don't want randall to become a sinner i don't want like the way the show leaves off implies randall's about to become like he's on the way to become a president and i'm not into that and mostly because i like randall and like politicians are gross and there's no way to be a politician without selling pieces of your soul. It's just not possible to get anything done without the quid pro quo. Quo, you've watched The Wire. Is it season f four of The Wire? First season is the one where, okay, I can't even say his name. <laughs> the character played by Michael B. Jordan dies. Second season is The Docs, which is a terrible season. The third season is 
is the third season the school season with the, the boys? That was, a, that was a really good season. And I think the fourth season, like, I'm not going to look this up. But the one, the political season, there's just no way. There's no way. Even with the best of intentions, you cannot. It's it's the way politics works. You can't be a good politician or a successful politician without selling a little bit of your soul. It's just the way it works. And the truth is, like, besides that political aspiration, which I, I hate this storyline, um... It, the truth is that when you look at Randall through the eyes of Beth, you can see how he, from the moment they met, they met in college in like 1998 or whatever, and from the moment they started seeing each other, it's right after his dad died, it's right when he went to college, he was supposed to go to like an HBCU, which would have been like incredible for Randall, who's grown up his entire life, like feeling othered to be in like a primary a primarily black environment and to experience that um but he didn't because jack died and he needed to stay close to home to take care of his mother um but this is how he ends up meeting beth but like when you're married to a personality like randall you have to go with the flow. There's plenty of times where Randall has been determined to do something and Beth has to just be like, okay, that's what we're doing. And one, they didn't live in Philly at first. Um, did they live in Pittsburgh? I'm not sure. They lived someplace. They live in a fucking suburb in fucking Pennsylvania. And they have, he eventually moves to Philly to become an alderman there. And that's where his political career starts. And like Beth doesn't want to move. And she does. Um, lots of times that Beth wanted to do a, and Randall wanted B and they ended up with B. And I sometimes feel bad for Beth because I mean, I feel bad for all the Pearson spouses because these three, and like I said, they think they're the most special people on earth. Their family's the most special family on fucking earth can be all consuming. Um, what else did I want to talk about? I love, like I said, I love the way Beth and Randall speak to each other though. I love that little game they have where they imagine worst case scenario, like, on, so, you know, the, the show ends with with Rebecca dying. Uh, she dies in the penultimate episode, and then the last episode is her funeral. And, um, like, there's a scene where Beth and Randall are talking, and he, she's like, okay, all your parents are dead now. <laughs> You've had four funerals. Um, how many more parent funerals? Now you're gonna have to go to stranger parent funerals. You're gonna be... You're going to wake up one day and be like, Beth, how about an RV? And I'll be like, I get down with an RV. And the next thing you know, we're in an RV going from funeral to fucking funeral. And then I forgot about Miguel, your stepdaddy. Now you're going to have to go to Puerto Rico. And the next thing you know, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to find out about, you're going to learn more about Miguel's great grandmother's, uh, sugar farm or whatever. And then you're going to come back talking about you swam in the ocean with <laughs> Miguel's great grandmother's ghost. Like the way they talk to each other is incredibly funny. Um, I think that Kate and Toby also have good, like, um, I don't know what to call it, uh, verbal sex. I don't, I'm not sure, but like, it's, they have very, whoever's writing the dialogue for these two, for these two couples is great, but 
I just think Randall and Beth are probably the best in terms of like how they react, how they interact with each other. I love when they fake smoke together when they get upset, <laughs> where they pretend to smoke. I mean, they're they're a very silly couple, um, in those sorts of ways. But yeah, Randall could be fucking terrible. I think Beth is probably the only character on the show that I'm not sometimes upset with. Although the way, so uh, their oldest daughter's name is Tess. Um, we'll see their oldest daughter's name. Their oldest daughter's name is Deja because they adopted her. Tess is their oldest biological daughter. And at some point, Tess um, comes out to her family and she is dating, um, I believe, a non-binary uh, person from school. And it's difficult for Beth to um, cope was this is diff it's difficult um it's difficult to see your children as different than the way you picture them all their lives so you think you know your children very well especially you know from day one a one she you know she's been tess's mother and she feels like she knows everything about tess and, and suddenly tess is like you don't know everything about me Here's something you don't know about me. And here's a way that I am different from you. And here's a way that uh, that I will continue to be different from you. And I think Beth takes a little bit of time to like get in on that. It's especially hard because um, Tess and Beth are mother daughters. And the fact is that like those type of relationships can be tar can be hard. They can be complicated. Uh, Beth has a complicated relationship with her mother, who is played by Felicia Rashad, and she's a very like stern ex teacher who, um, you know, Beth wanted to be a dancer all her life. She'd been dancing. Um, there is a episode where we get a lot about Beth's background and she how she danced before she walked and and how when it was time to go to college, her father just died. That's one of the reasons her and Randall connected to each other is their fathers had just, both fathers had just died. And how Felicia Rashad's character is just like, it's time to put away childish things. Here is a marketing book. <laughs> you need to learn how to look. It's very... <laughs> so... Um, you know, Beth gets a lot of depth to her. And I also think Beth understands, um, the Pearsons better than any of the other spouses do. In the last few episodes, um, they're trying to figure out what to do. This is right before Rebecca dies, but Miguel has already died. And they're trying to figure out what to do with Rebecca and like what happens now, next. And before Rebecca really slid into, um, dementia, she said that she told the kids Miguel's in charge with my care and if she's not and if he can't be in charge then Kate is in charge and I knew she was gonna choose Kate I knew that because for so long Randall has like upheld her and upheld his family I mean when Rebecca got diagnosed with dementia it was Randall who knew first because it was Randall who noticed first and they kept it from Kate and uh Kevin which was like a big fucking deal Kevin and Randall didn't speak for a long time because uh he felt like as usual, Randall's hogging all the mommy and also like, how dare you not tell me my mother is sick. Um, and Randall's like that. Randall, Randall is like, like at one point, Rebecca didn't want to have any, um, more treatment and, and Randall kind of like guilted her into having the treatment and, and 
Kevin tries to take on a bigger role, and but he's got so much stuff going on in his life, and I understood where where she chose Kate because Kate, I don't know, she just felt like Kate could do it. So what's going on is it's towards the end, and they're kind of deciding what to do, and, and where should she be, and, and should she stay at this family compound that they built for everyone to be able to come, and um, that Kevin built for everyone to be able to stay at and everything, and... Um, um, they're having this family meeting and it's kind of like a similar episode to that therapy episode I really like but it's where all the spouses kind of go off to hide while the Pearsons do their Pearson thing and uh, I forget his name I think his name is Philip uh, Kate's new husband is because you know uh, Madison it's not Madison is it Madison might be Sophie and um Sophie and Beth are making fun of like, like how the Pearsons fight and how like Randall's got to storm out and make a speech and how Kevin has to, you know, all his demons from being like not as good as Randall is coming like that sort of stuff. And Philip's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's make fun of them for while well, they sit there and decide what to do with their dying mother. And like Beth's like, listen, I've been in this family for thirty years. Um. And she just, and she, she, you know, she talks about how this is how it's going to be. And she, and, and like Beth has this quiet confidence, but also this like, I don't know, this presence about her. Um, we, we went to this, we, we got some scenes in another season about when Beth and Randall first graduated college and first got together and like, not first got together, but first were living together and Randall was like proposing and everything. And, and we're seeing how like all their dates were triple dates with his mom and stuff like that. And like, like Beth has to explain to him that she doesn't intend to like, you know, be married to him and his mom. (laughs) Randall's mama's boy. Um, but there have been plenty of times when Beth is talking, um, and she is explaining how the Pearsons work in a way that makes a lot of sense because she has been with them. She's been this addition to this family since she was 18 years old. Um, Sophie also has been around for a really long time, but she's been gone and back and gone and back. Um, but, but... Beth's been there the entire time. And she, like, she knows this rodeo. You know what I mean? She's been here. She knows what's going on. Um, anything else I want to talk about, Randall? Randall's, uh, sometimes Randall's segments feel like they're on a different show. Sometimes Randall's stories feel like they're Queen Sugar, which is a a different, very black show on OWN that's actually very good. The book, I hate it. I hated the fucking book. But the but the show is actually really good. Um like when they found where Randall's mother had gone after she had not actually OD'd and like that felt like a whole different show. 
And this is what I mean. Like, so Kate and Kevin live in LA and they're twins. And Kevin almost married Kate's best friend, but that's his baby mama. And like, like they have this whole like thing going on. And when Kate gets pregnant with her first child, Rebecca and Miguel move out to LA. And that leaves Randall, Beth, and their kids over, at this point, I think they're in Philly. Or maybe they're, maybe they're about to, I don't, I'm not sure, but I remember that, like, it was a big deal that, that Randall was upset that his mom was moving, and they were like, you got her all the time, she, she's been a free babysitter, and she shows up, and she's been a part of your life, and we need her, and although it feels like Randall's always in fucking LA, for storyline purposes, it is, he feels like a different show. And a lot of the times I'd rather be watching Randall's show. So, I don't always call it This Is Us. Sometimes I call it um, Randall and Beth and these white people they know. So that's like, <laughs> and because I have an intense dislike of Kevin and a pretty intense dislike of Kate, like, it, I don't want to watch their segments most of the time. <laughs> Maybe if Kate's around Toby, I want to watch. But I don't know. I've been talking a long time. I actually had to take a break and go get my eyelashes done and, like, feed my kids and do all kinds of stuff. So I really have been talking a long time. So I think I'm going to wrap this up. I mean, I hope this is what you were looking for. <laughs> I hope I talked about the stuff you wanted to look for. Um, overall, am I going to miss This Is Us? Yeah, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. Um... Like I said, it's a good cry episode. It's a good, like, sit down and think about something else, uh, something to watch. And, you know, I'll miss the Randall segments, of course, but, uh, and I, and I hate Jack Pearson so much that I'm going to miss that, that warm intensity of hating that man. But still, yeah, I like the show. It's a pretty good show. I, and I, and I hope I conveyed that, that like, this is one of my favorite shows. Um, the fact that I, like, hate most of the people on the show does not change that fact. <laughs> All right, guys. Next week, back to uh, Vanderpump Rules. Until then, later. Later.